Hi guys and happy Thursday. Yes, it's almost Friday into the weekend. And then soon we're going to be in May and probably and not even probably June. But the days are going by fast, isn't it? But how was everyone's Easter? What did you do? I mean, me personally, I it really wasn't a big to do because I think all these holidays now are just prone to children. They're really not prone to the adults. The only time we actually get like a holiday to ourselves is usually birthdays for me and maybe Mother's Day. But I don't even take that day too seriously sometimes. But actually, all the holidays are kid affiliated. So pretty much it was devoted to my my daughter, pretty much, because it's for the children, pretty much. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much how my Easter went, but I hope yours was, I hope you guys has had a good Easter, hope you guys enjoyed it and everything, and it came by really, really quickly, don't you think? But yeah, pretty much. So, um, welcome to today's episode, of course, and we are going to talk about Blue-Eyed Soul, aka White Soul. So before we get into that and other things, yeah, 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 I say the same thing over and over again. Y'all know where I'm heading, right? Okay, sad news, of course, never fails, right? So, of course, I'm not sure if y'all know this by now or you're getting to know it or you're probably already like, yeah, whatever. Um, Famous producer, famous producer. Famous producer, you can say artist, DJ, all around, pretty much Keith Grayson, a.k.a. DJ K. Slay, passed away earlier this week at the age of 55 due to complications of COVID that he was battling for four months, pretty much. He succumbed to that. Um, If y'all do not listen to Hot 97... They have a lot of things going on for him. I know that his um his celebration of life will be this Sunday at the Apollo Theater. And after the processional, they're going to ride him around in a horse and carriage. So, yeah. Also, if you guys are not big high five, high five. Yes, that's the group. High five. Hello. High five fans of the group. Yes, the group back in the... Uh, the back in the early 90s, you know, with the kissing game and she's playing hard to get, etc., etc. They lost one of their founding members on Easter Sunday. That's Roderick Pooh Clark. Um, he was 49 at the time. You guys probably don't know or do know that uh, 30 years ago he was um, paralyzed from the chest on down to an accident that they had back in 88. So he's been pretty much... He's been pretty much wheelchair bound from then on. Um, he passed away from an infection and pneumonia due to either one of the band well, uh, uh, sources, either from his band leader and bandmates, pretty much. So he was 49 at the time. So rest in peace to both of these gentlemen. May they be surely, surely missed. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it is. People are just leaving here like it's like it's nothing like every time and I, I hate giving out sad news. I don't like it. I, I don't find it good at all. I, I just don't. But um, yeah, that's pretty much there. So 
Red Table Talk. Y'all know about Red Table Talk. Yes, it's on Facebook. Watch. Yes, you do know. It's uh, with Jada Pinkett Smith, her daughter Willow, and her mom, Adrian Norris Banfield. They pretty much went into their fifth season that was starting yesterday. Five seasons. Yes, five. I'm surprised myself. So... Before they aired, they pretty much gave a monologue about about pretty much um, what transpired back in March. If you probably don't know or do know, they said that they were not going to shed any light on that situation until it was time and that they were in the process of healing. So would you guys want to hear the story about that? Or doesn't interest you? Let me hear your thoughts about that. Me personally, I really don't care to hear it anymore because it happened back in March. And, you know, if nothing was released then, I wouldn't want to say anything about it now. That would be me personally because honestly, there isn't anything to talk about. What was handled was handled and it just needs to be dealt with behind closed doors we don't want to hear no more about it because at the end of the day i think that the receiving end of chris rock is taking more of of it than the smith camp that's just me because that's going to be in the universe forever and ever and ever and ever and y'all know where I'm going with this pretty much that's how that's going to end up so I just think that they don't need to address it leave well enough alone and that's that because it, it, it's not it's, it's not making the situation no better than it already wasn't supposed to happen or been or be it's just making it it's just making matters more worse and rubbing salt in the wound just saying so yeah with that being said also did y'all get to see verses 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 so so far we've got so far i'm sorry so last year around easter time we got to see two groups and a host with the most You, I missed that one, right? No, I did not tune in. I lost my voice and everything. Yes, Earth, Wind, and Fire going against the Ozzy Brothers last year around this time. And honey, had a ball. But this time around, it was all gospel. We happened to see siblings. The ladies of the Mary Mary team against BB and CC Winans. And let's just say that Erica and Tina... Didn't disappoint. I love Tina's hat. Yes, that hat. But yes, she did come out them heels. She was like, y'all get a good look. Get a good look. Get a good look. Because it's coming off. I, I I couldn't stop cracking up for that one. Definitely. The ladies did not come and disappoint. And yes, BB and Cece either. <laughs> Let's just say BB was in his competitional bag. Okay. He was throwing some gospel. Some gospel shade. Dennis. <laughs> yes so um yeah that pretty much it was uh i'm not gonna lie to you i mean a lot let's let's be honest when it comes to when it comes to 
the Winans. We all know this. The Winans is like the second family of gospel because you got the Clark sisters on the front line on this one, the front winning gospel family. Okay, you you can say they number one each accordingly, and that's just my me personally my opinion. They you got one two, they can't be one and a tie, but it may be one and a tie. But the Winans family is deep. <laughs> I'm gonna put it to you like that. They're deep, deeply run, deeply rooted. Pretty much, I think everybody in that family done put out an album. Okay, all right. <laughs> From Vicky to Debbie to all the the Winans brothers, okay? You got BB that put out a number. You got CC that put out a number. I'm just saying. I think everybody in that family collectively done put out a damn album. That's just my personal opinion. As for the Clark sisters, we remember the Clark sisters as a five, as a five tier of harmony, okay? And they and they pretty much made mainstream music. Y'all remember you brought out the sunshine? Y'all remember that? Come on. If you didn't, you probably were too young or you wasn't born in that time. That would be me. Sorry. So remember, they did secular music way ahead before everybody else did secular music. Now, when it came down to BB and CC Winans, yes, their music was played on urban radio. I do remember hearing Addictive Love back in the days on WBLS and Kiss FM. Yes, absolutely. Let's not even go there. And you wouldn't even think that was a gospel song if it went into mainstream on urban radio. You wouldn't think, oh my God. Now, don't get me wrong. They got airplay on the gospel station. But for them to cross over into urban radio station, that was was a big to-do. And for all of you guys that know, if you're... A preacher's child raised in the church. You know that mainstream music is the devil. And you're not going to listen to what they call it. Secular music. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And all R&B. All R&B children. That come from the world of R&B. That came from the gospel. From the rooted to the two. To understand that too. If you mess with mainstream music. And you play secular music. It's the devil's music. And blah, blah, blah. And they'll all tell you that. Pretty much, but whatever. Music is music, so what? But that's what you were told as a child, and that's what you were told if you go over and you do secular music, it's the devil's music, and blah blah. You know, the Bible and everything were thrown at you too, but whatever. <laughs> Nobody has time for that. The hypocriticalness of folks. Anyway, so with their music going mainstream, and not even that, and not even that. You could say the brothers of the Winans, their music went ma- with mainstream as well into being played on urban radio besides it being gospel music as well. So let's just say boundaries were broken. Now, we can even go further into time when it came for music again. Now, most of y'all know Kirk Franklin. If you don't know Kirk Franklin, Google it. Play the brothers' music, okay? Y'all do remember back in 1995, a song called Star. If you don't know, now you know. So, we all know Kurt Franklin has it pretty much. We know his music don't. We can play his church. We can play his music in church. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was in a club. Just saying. No pun intended. So, his music. The way he made music was to touch 
everyone. He just didn't make it for gospel tears only. He made it for the R&B world. He made it for the rock. He made it for the reggae. He just fused all of these genres into his music to not only touch the masses, but to understand that gospel music can be R&B. Gospel music can be rock. Gospel music can be this and that. As long as you're still touching the same audience. That meaning everyone, pretty much. It wasn't, you can't hear that. It's only for this one. Nah, not at all. And to even put it into focus now. With Mary Mary, Mary Mary also made their music secular. It's just not for gospel people. It's for everyone. Their music had a certain a certain standard to it, if you... if if. You mind me when I say a certain standard, a standard, it was something that you can play at church. You could play at the cookout. You can play here and it's still considered music. It's still not segwayed. Oh, my God, that's a gospel song. No, you can still get up and still hear the message. You can still get up and clap. You still get up and dance, especially I'll tell you like this. And this is just my personal opinion. God in me is I don't care what nobody's saying. Yes, I'm saying this. That's a club banger. Do you hear me? Club banger. You can play that in the club and nobody would might even think it's a gospel song. Cause it has that it has that pop uh, I wouldn't say pop ability. It has that melodic, hard hitting beat at you. And this is by Warren Baby Dub Campbell. Shall I say Warren Campbell? That would be her collaborator. That would be Erica's collaborator and also partner in partner husband hello so again when we think of gospel music we think of we think of it just being gospel and there are artists that in the world of gospel that has had that has had that has put their music to the mainstream and not only that you had the Dietrich the Dietrich Haddens and the and the uh Kai Tribbets and the Jonathan McReynolds and I can go on about gospel, even though I'm not so into gospel like that. Sorry. Gospel and country are not are not my favorite genres of music, no pun intended. But do I know so much about about that about the about it? Yes I do. If you're covering music, you gotta know everything. It just can't be one sided. So yeah. BB and CC, definitely legends, definitely OGs in the game when it comes to this gospel thing. They're up there with the greats of the of the J of the James Clevelands and the um the Winans themselves and the Clark sisters, and we can go on about the greats up in the gospel world. Yes, we can do that. And Mary Mary is the revolution and the evolution behind the Kurt Franklins and the Todd Tribbets and the Dietrich Haddons and everything else. So it was a good blend of it was a good blend of R and B and gospel. But yes, it was a Sunday best. And it was Easter. So there. So this gives me to the next I wouldn't say the next question, but this will kind of give me a an incentive of what I put out there before. So there was a tweet that I tweeted back in February. And I pretty much put this out there to Trilla and to Versus itself. Yes, I did. I at them on this question. Who would Stevie Wonder challenge? Because I wouldn't say go up against. This is not a fight. Who would Stevie Wonder challenge? 
And honestly, it was brought back up on Sunday. I said, well, 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 isn't this funny? So I had to retweet what I said. Because I made this clearly to at versus. Who would Stevie Wonder go up, 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 challenge? Who would he go up, not against, but who would he challenge? I'm just saying. Honestly, I think there's nobody out here for him. That's just me personally. That's on a musical level because let's understand ourselves. CB Wonder has been working since the age of 12. Since the age of 12. Now, it would be cool if he would have went against his cousin. And we don't mean blood cousin. It's blood cousin on the other side. It would have been dope if he did him and Michael. What? We probably be on it the next day with that. We probably be this would probably be a week long celebration if you ask me with him and Michael because they definitely have been children prodigies and been working since they were kids. Just saying. But Michael's no longer here anymore. Ugh. Then some people were throwing out Luther. Luther ain't here no more neither. And let's be honest, it would be a fair disadvantage because Luther started doing jingles and you could say the earlier age of his career. And, you know, Stevie wouldn't have been working since a kid. So that's 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 not going to add up in years. Then people were saying, Smokey, no, 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 no. See, here we go again. Smokey has been working longer than Stevie Wonder. There's no way you're going to go against somebody who's been working with a group, who's been working by himself, who's been doing all this and can spend as much as Stevie Wonder. It's not going to happen. Stevie Wonder can spend more than Smokey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fight me on it. What you going to play a song you wrote? No. No. It ain't going to happen. Smokey probably was a grown ass man and Stevie Wonder was a child. Ain't going to happen. Then Elton John and Billy Joe came up. Do any of y'all even happily know Elton or Billy Joe? Probably not. Y'all probably just know they play the piano. No. But that would be a good versus to have him and Elton John. But not for Stevie. I'm sorry. Because even though Elton John did do That's What Friends Are For. But no. No, because again, these two men, again, Stevie Wonder's been working since he was a kid. No, but that would be a great versus Billy Joel and um Elton John. Come on, piano man, rocket man. Come on, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm just saying. So I just think that for me, there's no match for Stevie Wonder. It should be Stevie Wonder and friends. <laughs> or just Stevie Wonder by himself, okay? Nobody, nobody there, just him. We don't need no host. We don't need no DJ. Stevie Wonder could crank out all them hits himself, okay? It'd be him and his band. Let's go. Live from somewhere. Cranking out all the hits. Just saying. Him alone. It's just Stevie Wonder alone. Or Stevie Wonder one night. For an evening with Stevie Wonder. I'm just saying. Versus. Hit me on this one. I'm just saying. Now. Now here's another thought. This is just me too. If we gonna go Latin. Here goes a good one. We could have Gloria E. Against Sheila E. Come on now. Work with me here people. 
You got the lady on the percussion. And you got the lady in the band. Come on, man. Just say it. Gloria Estefan, right on with Sheila E. What's up? And we're going to hit the Latin trio. That's what we need to do. We got the we got the bongos with the percussionists. And we got the Miami sound machine with the lead with the leader. Come on, man. No pun intended, uh, Emilio. But we got glory on this one. Boom boom. She bring out her she bring out her peoples. Gloria bring out her peoples. What's up? Just saying. Congos all night long. All the conga. Sorry, I get a little passionate with my music, but that's just me. Alright, we're going to take it down a notch. And we're going to get to the reason why we're here. Yes. So, we're going to learn a little something about the blue-eyed soul. Shall I say, the white soul. Now, the terminology put... Blue Eyed Soul, we already know, is performed by white art by white artists. The saying was coined in the nineteen the mid nineteen sixties by a by a Philadelphia DJ named Georgie. Let me make sure I get his name corrected. Georgie Woods. Okay. Georgie Woods. He was a famous DJ in Philadelphia that coined the term Blue Eyed Soul. Or white soul, perhaps, and that's pretty much soul music sung by a white a white artist. And we could even go down the list, but um, pretty much back in the sixties, if y'all do remember, I think y'all have no idea who the Righteous Brothers are. But if you do, for all of us that do know, Bill Bill Medley, hello, strike a name, Jennifer Warren's at the time of my life. Okay, maybe not, but whatever. <laughs> So, many of you guys know the Righteous Brothers and the songs that they sung, especially You Lost That Love and Feeling. Does that not put soul in your heart? Yes. Maybe, maybe not. But whatever. That started pretty much, <clears throat> that pretty much started R&B stations back in the 60s to play these artists that were soul, that had soul, that had soul in their music, but they weren't a little bit tanned. So you can say all through, all through the 1960s, going into even today, we've had, um, we've had white soul. Sorry about that. We've had we've had soul music come in. Now again, when it comes to soul music, does it matter who's white, who's black? Does it matter if they don't fit the criteria? Is soul music soul music or is it just music is music and it doesn't matter? I mean to me I mean, blue-eyed soul and white soul, I mean, does it make it does it make it seem racist a little bit? But then again, on the flip side of thing, you got to think, what is black music? You know, does that make it seem like it's a little bit deemed a little bit racial? Also, you have to see if that ha uh, that comes into comparison too. if it comes up a little bit racial. 
I mean, for me, it, it's a mm, it's a catch twenty two if you ask me. But at the same time, and token, when it comes to soul music, I think no matter what the race may be, I would say, is it for us? Yes. Is it for all of us? Yes. Because at the end of the day, soul music is what you're touching the heart, what you're saying in your song, the message, the melody. Down to the down to the voice. Is it taking us to a good place? Is it is it giving us the feeling that we need? Does it make us feel better? Does it help us understand? Is it changing the world? From that melodicness to that that deep syrupy sweetness to the whistle register to the melody to the tone. Is it something I can play in the morning? Is it after dark? Is it freaky? What are you trying to convey to me? What are you making me feel? Is it moving? Is it earth shattering? Is it groundbreaking? That's what I'm saying. So with these bevies of soul artists of the white persuasion, you have Hall and Oates. You've had um, Simply Red, which uh, which the lead singer Mick was. You had George Michael, Joss Stone. Duffy, Amy Winehouse, Robin Thicke, you can put him in there. You had um, Remy Shand. You had, um, I forgot this boy's name. I forgot this man's name and he's on the tip of my tongue. He's on the tip of my tongue. I'm sorry. He did a, um, he did a, um, I'm also forgetting her name. Lord, I'm doing too much. I'm sorry, you guys. And even, um, sorry for the pause. (laughs) I'm trying to get it together here. Correct me if I'm wrong. And even from Adele. And even from Adele, we also think of these are we also think of these artists that pretty much push their way into mainstream, into the R&B world. Because you can also say us as black artists also when we cross over into pop music, is it catapulted into us trying to be pop musicians? And we're not considered pop. But when you think of pop music. When you think of pop music, you think of it being sugary, being sweet, being catchy, being on that, on that, on that, on that point. And most of us, that's when they think, that's when you can say audiences think that we sell out because we're not remaining true to the nature of R&B. R&B, R&B is clearly what R&B is. But also when you have R&B divided up into neo soul and soul music, that's where it kind of gets a little bit disruptive and all over the place because it's like okay now now before that you have urban contemporary then of course with pop you have what you have pop adult contemporary pop then you have all this boy banded and all this other nonsense and this is where stuff get lost so when you're thinking into when you're thinking into soul music like i said and i even forgot tina marie oh lord 
So for most of y'all that did not know about Tina Marie, when she was into, when she was pretty much on the Motown label, Barry Gordy, and I'm not sure if this is true to form, Barry Gordy did not want to put her face on an album because he wanted his audience, who was of the black persuasion, to listen to the voice, to listen to the voice and listen to what this artist brings. And when they finally, when she was finally found out that she was a white artist, was she embraced? Yes. Because people were not looking at the fact that she was clear. They were looking at the fact that she brought so much to her music. And she listened to these artists. And listened to the... Uh, even though she was on the Motown label. She listened to black art, uh, black artists. So most of these artists that I named. They are definitely enriched. And definitely have honed. And definitely have listened to these black artists. That pretty much pondered their craft to want to sing. Now again, criticism has come along of calling it of calling it blue-eyed soul and what was it meaning and it's setting up to be like I wouldn't say setting it up to be like a racial epithet, but it also kinda again forms the division on do we feel like these artists are taking our music and slapping their name upon it and saying, Oh, we found it first. No. R and B and soul music is just what it is. Does it appeal to a black audience? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It always has. It always will. It's our home base. It's how we pretty much, I wouldn't even say define ourselves, but it's the music that we embed ourselves into constantly writing and coming up with melodies and, and you know, touching our audiences and, and dealing with bringing it out to not only radio and television and streaming services now but pretty much this is our baby and do we want to share it with the rest of others probably not and call it selfish you know what I mean but again when it comes to when it comes to blue-eyed soul and white soul do we even use that terminology in 2022 that meaning today no we probably don't we probably don't but we don't well we always have to remember where it came from i'm not saying it was used as a i'm not saying it was used to be racial in a sense but i mean people have caught up on you know the terminology of it and quietly don't understand but again music is music and music is supposed to be and is universal and it doesn't matter who it touches it's supposed to touch everyone so when you think of soul music you think of neo soul when you think of r&b you think of any any type urban whatever you want to catapult it in and i think that's where things get lost you have to understand what this artist is trying to do and who they are attracting and also Getting an earful of who they listen to. Because we all get. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I listen to Hall and Oates. I sure do. I sure do. I'm not even going to hold you. Yes I do. I listen to Rick Ashley. I sure do. I sure do. I do hear. Um, other artists I just named. I, I I love me some Adele. Adorable. Duffy. Absolutely. We can go with Tara Kemp. Sure do. 
Even though she's a two-hit wonder, I sure do. Jane Child, one hit, I sure do. And these are artists that pretty much you could say are blue soul or white soul or whatever soul you want to put it with. And I yes, I do listen to them. But I'm not going to, again, music is music. And I'm not going to put a bottle cap on who I can and cannot listen to. And again, long as they're not trying to be cute and funny, we're okay with that. Just saying, <laughs> you know, music is definitely music. And I mean... Again, I don't want to put a racial thing on it. I do want to be self-conscious about what I'm saying and not and not putting it into anything else. But yes, do we need to break the difference on things? Yeah, because we can also put it in another way. Black soul, this way, that way. No, you want to make music as universal as possible. But you also want to know where did it originate and where did it come from? And how we're able to not only break the barrier down on that and break it apart and rip the band-aid off because it has to be spoken about. Because this is what music is. Music was segwayed off. Music was kind of a divide. But it also gave a negative, narr- a, a negative narrative also. And sometimes we don't need... We don't need the negative narrative of that. We need to change the story. Absolutely. We need to change the story, not tweak it, but change it all together to understand that music is just what it is. It doesn't need to be of a black thing. It doesn't need to be of a white thing, but it also needs to be respected. And that's where people get it twisted from and not thinking this. Oh, we found it. We found it. No. And we're taking the credit for it. No. When it's already need to be taken credit for already it's just that now you guys are understanding and seeing what we got it here to be so with you guys coming in now let's carry it on in the way and be respected of the way this soul music is brought just saying (laughs) you know but uh definitely I think we might get a little bit more into this, uh, into the, into the blue eyed soul or the soul music itself and, you know, how to, how to, how to understand it a little bit more. But I think we might cover that in the next episode. You never know, but I'm also going to do something about one hit wonders too. So stay tuned for that episode as well. But yeah, that's all I got for you guys today. So I, I do thank you guys for listening to me and enjoying this episode i hope you learn a little bit and if you don't that's fine too and if you have uh any comments or anything about this for me you know what you can do you can either dm me inbox me into it and i hope you guys stay listening as much as possible so uh pretty much um stay safe later